Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. What an honor and a privilege it is to be here with you today. Uh, And I get to talk to you about a topic that I am so passionate about today. And so I believe God is going to do something in your life today. Um, And the topic we're going to be going into is the final uh, installment of our eight-week series called Discover Life Change. And uh, I'm going to do a a little kind of a little flyover towards the end of the message to kind of give you an understanding of what that looks like for your life. Uh, But next week, come on, five weeks in the book of Philippians, choosing a life of joy. And uh, it's going to be fantastic. My wife's going to be preaching during the series. And come on, somebody give a hi. I don't know. I was going to do Yahoo, but it wasn't July. So I felt like maybe I got Yahoo. I don't know. Things just come out of my mouth. All right, well, we're going to get into it today. We're going to get right into the Word. We're going to be talking about something that um, kind of culminates our entire eight-week series today. And uh, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. And uh, I do not have my phone today, so my friend Dallas and Joel are going to be partnering with me today, so just stay with me, guys, okay? I love you. Doing such a great job, Dallas, Texas, with that beard. I'm sure there's a bird living in there, but whatever. Come on, if you, Dallas has been a part of our ministry for seven years now, six or seven years, faithfully coming every Sunday, setting stuff up, putting lights up, running cords, and you know what? He looks like a big, scary man, but he's just a teddy bear. Sometimes he curses, don't be offended, and sometimes he sneezes unnormally loud. But other than those two realities, Dallas is a teddy bear, and we love you, Dallas. Just don't let the bird out today, okay? Keep the Cheeto in the beard. Get hungry. Don't, if I start hearing a, I know you're eating the leftover Cheetos. This is the most airtime Dallas has had in six years. Come on, Dallas. He's single too, girls. If you're looking for a rough and tough young man, he's the one. And if you like knives, he's got a big one on him, so back up now. He's like the American-Canadian version. You know, Americans carry guns. He carries massive knives. It's duct tape to his leg. I better quit now. I'm sorry. Okay, the Holy Spirit. Come on, let's get back on track. Thank you. Come on, uh, the Holy Spirit gets a really bad rap. Come on, it's kind of like, you know, when you go to those family functions, those reunions, and, you know, uh, Uncle Ted's going to be there, and Uncle Ted's kind of a weirdo. You know, you get around him, you kind of haven't seen him in a while, and they have these kind of awkward conversations, and you're like, you know, you've kind of like heard weird things about Uncle Ted. Like, he just kind of, you know, it's always kind of like comes and goes when he pleases, and like, you know, he just kind of sometimes weird things happen when he's around and it's like you know you know you know you're going to see him and you're like is he going to show up is he not going to show up is he going to be there is he not going to be there like what's he going to say what's he going to do what's going to happen to the people around him i mean when uncle ted gets talking i mean everyone else just starts laughing or maybe they throw him out of the room or like like sometimes the holy spirit gets a bad rap just like that where we either have had a really really bad experience in our church context or you're here today and you share and i have no experience with the holy spirit or maybe some of you grew up in maybe more of a uh, maybe more of a different denominational environment, maybe like an Anglican or a a Catholic environment, or maybe a a charismatic or a Pentecostal environment, or maybe you say, Ryan, I don't know what those, uh, those Maddox are. I just am new to church, and I don't know what this means, you know, but we have all sorts of different variations of of the Holy Spirit from our different experiences, and honestly, there's just a lot of bad rap flowing around about my friend, the Holy Spirit. 
A lot of people don't fully understand who he is and what he wants to do in your life. And, and today I'm just so honored to be able to introduce you to him. And many of you here today have been in church for a while and so you might hear some things you've heard before. But I really want you to take off your uh, experience hat for a moment. Let me just deliver, introduce you to someone that, that actually wants to transform your life. He wants to bring life change to your life. And he's real and he's God and he's alive and active and he's in this room and he's in you right now. And he wants to do something fantastic in your life. And so... If you come from an environment, whatever environment you've come from, we want to kind of take that for a moment, we want to put pause on those types of things because at the end of the day, whatever your background is, is what feels normal to you. So we all come from a different background, we all come from a different vantage point, and what feels normal to us is generally how we were raised, kind of church you went to. You know, you might say, well, you're, you're just going to preach a denominational vantage point. Well, we're a non-denominational church, so we don't have a vantage point. You want to know our vantage point? The Bible. <laughs> we use the Bible as our primary source of truth, and I'm not saying other denominations or environments don't. I don't mean to imply that at all. I'm just saying that I'm not here today teaching from a vantage point of a slant from this way or that way. I want to come today and say, let's every single person in the room, let's kind of pause our understanding of what we believe about the Holy Spirit for a moment and not try to strengthen a bias of our upbringing or a bias of an experience or a bias of a perspective. And let's just go to the word today and let the word teach us about the Holy Spirit and let the word teach us the truth about, about himself. Amen? Amen? Whatever your past understanding is about the person of the Holy Spirit will truly impact how you perceive him and how you allow him to be involved in your life. We don't want to strengthen any bias, no matter how you grew up or no matter how you thought. Let's for a moment today just come to it and say, okay, we want to know what does God's word say about the Holy Spirit? What does the Bible say about the Holy Spirit? And so we're going to learn today... I'm going to take you on a little bit of an of a, of a educational journey, and then towards the end, I'm going to give you some practical things that will help you. Um, but let me pray, and then we'll get into the Word. Amen? Amen? Holy Spirit, you know what I love about you is that you love to have fun, and that you love uh, giving us life, and you love giving us joy, and you love giving us peace. Holy Spirit, you're my friend. You're my helper. You're my companion. You're my God. And today, we often focus, Father, on, on, on uh, we focus on the different dynamics and the uh, personalities and the realities of God. But Holy Spirit, we rarely ever take time to really hone in and understand that you're not weird. <laughs> you're not distant. You're not this oddity. You are God, and you want to help us, and you're our closest companion, and you love us so much. So I just pray today, Holy Spirit, that you would do what you did in Acts chapter 10. Peter started preaching a message and you came and moved in people's lives. Peter was either preaching a good message or a bad message. It doesn't really matter. You just came, Holy Spirit, and did what you wanted to do. And that's my prayer. That all of our, our biases and ideas and perspectives would just be paused for a moment, Lord, as we study your word. I pray that you would cause there to be life change in the people in this room. I pray for all the hang-ups and all the areas where we're stuck. All the areas where our belief systems have got us knotted and where our hurts and pains have got us held up and where we're in fear or doubt about who you are. My prayer today, Holy Spirit, is that you would come as the gentle gentleman that you are and you come and you're gentle and you're loving and you just gently whisper and woo us and draw us to you. So Holy Spirit, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together as your church for those in the room who don't know you. And those in the room today who are maybe visiting our church for the first time, let them just experience the gentle presence of your, of your love and your grace today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. 
So come on. So the Holy Spirit is obviously, as on the screen, the best attempt to describe who, who uh, God is. And the, the first mention we find of this word is in Genesis 1, chapter 2. And it says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. This phrase, Spirit of God, is the word Ruach Elohim. Ruach Elohim is this, uh, really, scholars find it very, very challenging to, to bring the, the word Elohim into a, um, into a theological box because it's the first word we see in Scripture that defines this idea of one God and three persons. It's, this is where we get the idea and the concept of the Trinity from is the Elohim and the Ruach is the idea of breath. And so this word means the breath of God, the spirit of God. It means air, the movement of air. Now if we jump over to the, to the New Testament, we see one of the first times mentioned in Luke chapter 13, uh, 11, 13, says you are sinful and you know how to give good things to your children, meaning, come on, we are not perfect. We are imperfect people who have sin in our lives, yet we know how to give good gifts to our children. He says, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Everybody say, ask him. Ask him. Say it again, ask him. ask him. One more time, real loud. Ask him. ask him. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This word here is the, 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 the Greek word here is obviously Holy Spirit, but the Greek word here speaks to the word pneuma, which means breath. And so the Hebrew and the Greek words both define the idea of it being the breath of God. So if you put these two things together, it could actually mean that when God, it's like almost as though God breathes and the Holy Spirit is the air. That when the nostrils of God breathe, when God breathes his breath, the breath he breathes is the spirit of God. He breathes the Holy Spirit. Now, the first time we see this breath idea in Scripture, yes, he created the heavens and the earth with, a, with, a, with his breath, and he did all those things. But the first time we see this idea articulated, and hang, out with, hang on with me for a minute. I'm just going to teach you for a minute, and then we'll get into the other stuff. Luke chapter 11, I'm sorry, in uh, uh, Genesis chapter 2, 7, says, The Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So here's God. He He's breathing into the nostrils and the response was a breath of life. So when the breath of God or the spirit of God or the Holy Spirit is breathed into you, there is life. It's like God exhaling, breathing air into your body, breathing air into your spirit, breathing air into your life. It's a you are a living being and he creates life inside of you. And so we see here that Jesus in the New Testament, before he ascended up to be with the Father, in the end after Jesus died, and was buried and he rose on the third day before he ascended to be at the right hand of the father he was still on the earth jesus said this in john chapter 16 i tell you the truth it is better for you that i go away and if i do not go the helper will not come to you if i go i will send him to you the holy spirit is coming on the next slide the holy spirit is coming he will lead you into all truth he will not speak on his own words. He will speak what he hears. He will tell you 
of the things to go. So Jesus says, listen, I am God on earth. Now, people in the room today, you want to know, am I a follower, am I a Christian? This is how you know you're a Christian. This is how you know you're a follower of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. So the way for us to delineate the difference between us and someone else is do I believe that Jesus is God? Do I confess it with my mouth? And Jesus said, okay, you believe that, you understand that, but I want you to know I have to leave this planet so that I can send the breath of God, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit down. I must go so that he can come and help you. So Jesus is handing the baton of ministry over to the Holy Spirit. He says, I I've done work on this earth. I've healed the sick. I've raised the dead. I've transformed lives. I bring forgiveness to those who deserve condemnation and guilt and shame. I brought forgiveness and love and grace and mercy. I was was crucified for your sins. I was buried for your sins. I rose again to bring, bring you life. But now my ministry on the earth is done. I'm about to send you the Holy Spirit. I'm about to send you my breath. I'm about to send you something else. Now watch what happens here. Jesus had just risen from the dead. The disciples were afraid out of their minds because they thought the Jews were going to kill them after Jesus had been buried. They thought, what's going on? The Jews were, had crucified Jesus. He's buried in a tomb. Like, we don't know what's going on. He said he was supposed to live. We thought he was gonna come and restore Israel. Like, all this confusion. So all the disciples went into a room and it says they locked the door and they hid from the Jewish people, afraid that they were going to lose their lives. And all of a sudden, one day, Jesus walked walks through the wall. That's pretty cool. Jesus walks through the wall, doesn't turn off the, uh, doesn't uh, open the door. He walks right through the wall and he shows him the nails in his hand, the scars in his ankles, or in, in his feet and in his hands. And he says, look guys, I told you I was going to rise from the dead. He shows him this picture. And he says, look, I'm alive just like I said that I was alive. And then this amazing verse, Jesus says to them, look what it says in John 20, 22. Look what it says. It says on the screen right here. And when he said this, he breathed on them. Just like God breathed into Adam in Genesis 1, Genesis 2. He says, God breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The the, the very breath of God, Jesus himself, looked at the disciples, and he breathed on them just like God did to Adam. He breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, it's very important that you understand the timeline. Jesus had risen from the dead. Now, if you, if you know your Bible, and I'll, I'll introduce it to you, in Acts chapter 2, we see that the Holy Spirit came down in a powerful way, and I'll, we'll talk about that for just a moment. But remember, this is a moment in time where Jesus had risen from the dead, and the Holy Spirit had not come down yet. So here they are on the planet with the resurrected Jesus. The Holy Spirit hadn't come down yet, and yet they received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit hadn't come to the earth yet, but they received the Holy Spirit. It's so important you understand the significance of what I'm saying to you today because the Holy Spirit went into them. 
They did not speak in another language. There was no evidence of that at that moment. The Holy Spirit, when they saw the resurrected Jesus Christ and they believed in their heart that Jesus was God and they confessed with their mouth that Jesus was Lord, guess what happened? The breath, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit went inside of them and made them new in an instant. See, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and declared that he is God and there is no other, guess what happened? The Holy Spirit, the breath of God, the same breath that was breathed into Adam in Genesis chapter two was breathed into your spirit and your spirit person was made new in a matter of a second. You were metamorphosized and transformed into the newness and the likeness of Jesus Christ and the old is gone and the new has come. You are a new creation you are new the old has gone this is an encounter that you have with the Holy Spirit and this is why I want to share this with you today because many followers of Jesus Christ have forgotten that they have when they give their lives to Jesus you are now filled the temple of the Most High God you are filled with the very breath and the spirit of the living Elohim <laughs> it lives inside of you this encounter that he had, this moment that these men had, they received life from God. See, when the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, you receive life. Romans 8, 11, on the screen it says this, says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. See, the Holy Spirit when he comes into your life, he brings you life, not death. Listen, as a follower of Jesus Christ, he brings you life, not death. Come on, I want you to hear me today because there are so many followers of Jesus who are walking around like zombies. You're dead inside. Well, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the good news for you today is that you have been made new. You have the life and the creative power of Jesus Christ, of the creator God living within you. You have been made new. You have been given the newness of life. Your spirit has been restored. The old has gone. The new has come. You can now be the person, the man and the woman and the husband and the father and the wife and the person that God has called you to be to fulfill the purposes of God in your life. Everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness has been given to you by the divine power that lives within you today. It says, no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him, but it's been revealed to us by the Spirit. Where does the Spirit live? Inside of me. It says that you can do above and beyond all that you can ask or dream or imagine according to the power that's at work within you. So some of us are living here. No. <laughs> when we should be living here. Yeah. Yes. Are you with me today? I know this section is. I don't know about this section. Come on, are you with me today? There is newness of life in Christ. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, there is newness of life. And the Holy Spirit, when he comes into your life, guess what he does? He helps you. John 15, 26. I'll send you the advocate, the helper, 
the spirit of truth and he will come to you from the Father and he will testify about me, Romans 8, 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. There it is. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. He fills us so that he can help us. He fills us so that we can overcome temptation. He fills us so that we can overcome fear and doubt and shame and confusion and loss. He fills us so that he can help us. And help us through our difficulty and help us through the times that we don't understand and help us through things that don't make sense and help us when there's confusion and help us when we feel lost and help us when we feel broken and help us when we feel empty and help us when we feel purposeless and help us when I don't have value in my life and help us when I've got brokenness and shame and, and hurt and trauma in my life. He wants to help you and have a relationship with you and transform you and make you new. Sometimes we forget that the very living power of God is living within us us and he wants to help us. Ryan, what do I do to get help? Do I need to do this or go to that conference or read this thing or go there? No, the Holy Spirit already lives inside of you. He wants to help you. He's there to lead you. This is the difference between someone who has, uh, is a follower of Jesus Christ and someone who is not. But here's the difference. I hate to say this to you, this is the truth about life, but every single person in this room is going to experience trauma. You're going to experience grief. You're going to experience sorrow. Becoming a follower of Jesus does not, you don't take a red pill and all life gets better. How many of you know that? You don't just take this red pill and your depression goes away or a blue pill. I don't know what pill it is. I don't know which one the matrix pill is, but I saw it a long time ago. For those of you who are a bit older, thank you, James. <laughs> thank you, sir. We take this little silver bullet of God, God and we just think everything's just going to get better. We don't deal with grief or loss or death or addiction or, or fear or, or doubt. And we think, oh man, God just comes and changes it all. And yes, he will in sanctification and transformation and God speaks to you. And yes, 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 God wants to transform your life. But we think sometimes that we just say a prayer, raise our hand and go to church, it's all just going to get better. But we have to understand something. Every single person, whether you're a follower of Jesus Christ here today or not, we all experience the exact same trauma. But you want to know the difference is I have God living in me to help me. That when the drugs fade and the pornography fades and the alcohol fades and, the, and, and the, the friendship fades and the poor relationship fades and the career fades and nothing else can satisfy and fix these things in my life, I know that I have the Holy Spirit. When I'm at the end of my rope and don't know where else to go or what else to do and I feel like I'm lost and broken and hurting, I'm the same thing as a person who does not know God in the same situation experiencing the same life, but the reality is, is that I have a helper who wants to partner with me and lead me out of this valley of death he wants to help you he wants to help your life he's also he wants to work in you the holy spirit works inside of you in philippians my fa one of my favorite verses in the bible and the amplified in philippians 2 13 it says for it is it says there it is for it is not your strength come on say that out loud not your strength, not your strength. but it is god who is effectively working in you It is not your strength. It is not your prayer life. It is not your Bible reading. It is not your lack of cursing or your lack of drinking or your lack of smoking or it's not your religion. It's not those things. You know who it is? It's the faithfulness of the Holy Spirit. God is working in you and he's effectively working in you and those things that I just mentioned absolutely help you in that journey, so don't get me wrong. <laughs> but he's working in you. Look at this, both to will and to work that is strengthening energizing and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. Yeah. 
You think, you think you want that more than God? God wants it way more than you do. He wants to minister to you and work in you. And now here, how about this? He leads you and he guides you. Now I'm going to read this verse. It's a long one, but you'll like it. Don't worry. It's a long one, okay? You read it's about six slides. So just hang on. Oh my gosh, don't worry. It's the message, so it's easy to read. You're going to be okay. Don't, don't, don't get your phone out. No Instagram. Hang on. Just read the verse with me. Can you see it? Watch. Can I haven't put it up yet. But you can see the screen? Okay, thank you, honey. We do this together. Galatians chapter 5. Look at this. My counsel is this. Live freely, animated, and motivated, led by God's Spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness, for there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with the free spirit, just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness. These two ways of life are antithetical, so that you cannot live at times one way and at times another way according to how you feel on any given day. Why don't you just choose to be led by the Spirit and so escape the erratic compulsion of a law-dominated existence? I think it's the next slide, bud. One more. There you go. It's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes, divided lives, small-minded, lopsided, uh, lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. This is the first time I've warned you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. But what happens when we live God's way? Next slide, please. What happens when you live God's way? He brings gifts into your life, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others and exuberance about life and serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. Next slide, please. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. This is what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. He works in us. He helps us. He leads us. He guides us. He speaks to us. He ministers to us. And so this is what happened when the Holy Spirit, when Jesus said, he said he breathed on them and it said, receive, receive my spirit, receive the Holy Spirit. This is what happened to them. They were now being led and guided and transformed transformed and made new but that wasn't it there was more the whole jesus taught more he taught something else he taught something here again that after jesus rose from the dead again he hadn't risen to uh, he hasn't ascended uh, up to the father it says in luke 24 49 on the screen look at this i'm going to send you what my father has promised but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high until you've been clothed with power from on high. This word clothed means to be endowed, to receive like a clothing, like, like, a, like a coat, to be, to be wearing something. See, what is Jesus talking about here? Now, for those of you who don't know, the book of Acts is simply uh, the book two of Luke's writings. Luke wrote uh, the book of Luke, and he stopped, and then he started his second book, which is the book of Acts. Luke's book is about Jesus. Acts' book is about the Holy Spirit. 
And so when he's writing in the book, he writes in this chapter, this verse that we have on the screen, and just a few verses later, the, Luke continues his story and says, in the few days to the disciples, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then he continues a little further and he says it again in Acts chapter 1-8, just a few verses later. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. So remember, remember, Jesus has already breathed into them. They've already received him. They've already received the Holy Spirit living within them. Jesus hasn't ascended to the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit hasn't come down yet. Something happened when they accepted Jesus Christ and they're alive. The Holy Spirit filled them. But now Jesus is talking about something else as second encounter with the Holy Spirit. He says, you will be clothed with power from on high. This was not about salvation, but this was about the supernatural ability to be and do the things God has called you to be and do. This is the area of life where I believe there are many followers of Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God today that are missing out on an entire dimension of experience with the relationship with the Holy Spirit that God has for you today. It says that this, in Acts chapter two, he said to them, the Holy Spirit's gonna come down. And so they waited. Now they had a reason to wait. And it says that what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Not in them, on them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. So here we see in this verse that from this moment forward, after the Holy Spirit settled on them, they had the boldness to preach the gospel. Now for those of you who grew up Pentecostal, this verse, they are not speaking in unintelligible tongues. They are speaking in intelligible tongues. They're speaking French and Spanish and Aramaic and they're speaking all sorts of different language of whoever was represented there that day. They began to declare with boldness the very things of God. So they begin to speak boldly with the Holy Spirit in them. They begin to speak the boldness of God and speak the boldness of God's word and they begin to reach other people. So when the Holy Spirit is in you, it's for you. When the Holy Spirit's on you, it's for others. See, many of us are living for what's in us, but we forget that there's a mission to reach out. And the Holy Spirit wants to enable you to experience something else. And so we say, okay, Ryan, according to Scripture, how do I know that the Holy Spirit is on me? How do I know that the Holy Spirit is on me? Every single biblical account that we read about in the New Testament and in the book of Acts that talks about the Holy Spirit being on them, they spoke in a spiritual language called tongues. If you read through every account, you look at it yourself. Before you head for the door, <laughs> let's just hang on for a moment and look what the scripture says. Remember in Acts 2, it was not an unintelligible tongue. Acts 2 was an intelligible tongue. But look at this in Acts chapter 10 on the screen. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. And the circumcised believers, the Jewish who had come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for look, this is how they knew. They heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. It says, then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They hadn't even baptized with water yet, and they were speaking in tongues. They had received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. How about this one in Acts 19.6? Next slide. Look what it says. When Paul placed his hands on them, 
The Holy Spirit came on them, and the evidence that the Holy Spirit was on them is they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So we have three different things. We have praise, prophecy, and tongues. We see it very clearly in Scripture that even Jesus said this in the Gospels in Mark chapter 16, verse 17. Look what he said. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons and they will speak in new tongues. There is something supernatural about this tongue. It's not a denominational idea. It's not a, 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 a crazy idea. This is a Bible idea that Paul teaches about through several chapters of the Bible. Look at this in 1 Corinthians 14, 14. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, this is Paul talking, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me is praying, but my mind is unproductive. Meaning, it's words I don't understand, but my spirit, the Holy Spirit is in me praying on my behalf. Look what he says next in, uh, uh, in, in, uh, um, in 1 Corinthians 14, 14. Oh, I just read that. So I want to give you real quickly, and then we're going to land the plane. What are the benefits of speaking in tongues? Now, I want you to hear me today that there is something supernatural about this that God has for you. And I, I, I wavered with this, but I want to be bold about what I believe. I believe every word in this Bible is true. I don't question it's I don't question the history of it. I don't question whether or not Na- the book of Nahum and the book of Joel don't really exist, sorry Joel, but I like this book and I like that chapter, but I don't like this verse. No, I believe every word is the written word of God. And so listen, this is my position. My position is this. As a follower of Jesus Christ, and I believe our position as a church, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Every believer should desire the gift of the Spirit of God by being baptized in the Holy Spirit with tongues. Why? Because Paul said you should desire it. But listen, not everyone has it. Not everyone speaks in tongues. It doesn't mean that you're bad. It doesn't mean you're less than. It just means the Holy Spirit will do it in your life when he wants to do it in your life. And this Wednesday night, if you want to be filled but baptized in the Holy Spirit, Stephanie and myself, we're going to pray over every person who wants to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It won't be weird. Trust me, I grew up in the weirdness, and it won't be that. Hallelujah. We'll pray for you just like we did over Andrew many times. And Joel, we'll just pray and let the Holy Spirit do what he does. And if he doesn't do it, that's up to it's between you and him. But I want to give you three benefits to, uh, to using this spiritual prayer language. The first one is this. It strengthens you spiritually and builds your faith. 1 Corinthians 14.4. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. There's a story in the Bible, and, and David didn't, I don't know what he did. I don't believe he spoke in tongues at this moment, but I want to use it as an example. He had uh, lived in a place called Ziklag, and in Ziklag, uh, they, had, uh, they had kidnapped his wife and children, burned down the city, and all of his men were thinking about stoning him. That's a bad day. <laughs> and it says in that moment, David encouraged himself in the Lord. I have been in this moment in my life where I have recognized that, that, that there are moments in my life when there's nothing else I can pray. There's nothing else that's going to satisfy my life. 
There's nothing else. I don't know what else to do. I am discouraged. I am fearful. I am full of anxiety and depression. And yes, there's multiple things you can do to work your way out of that, which I'm doing myself in my own way. But at the end of the day, I know that you can speak in your spiritual language and it begins to strengthen and build up your faith. It's because the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, he prays for you with groans and utterings that you do not understand. He's in you praying on your behalf as you begin to speak in your spiritual language. Speaking in our spiritual language is not for our Sunday gathering. It's not to be done into the mic. It shouldn't be done on the stage. This is for you in your own personal time. This is about personal edification in your own life. And I want to say today, if you say, Ryan, I've tried everything, I believe that if you ask the Holy Spirit to baptize you in the Spirit and you begin to speak in this prayerful spiritual language after, after being somebody who's been, uh, understood this language for many, many years, I'm telling you, at times it is all I have left to do. Second one is this. It helps you pray the perfect will of God. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. The ability to pray the perfect will of God. Next slide, please. For anyone who speaks in tongues does not speak to people, but to God. Now, this is Paul talking, the greatest theologian we know of in Scripture. That when you begin to pray, what's happened is, is that when you're tired in the waiting of life, when you're tired of waiting for that relationship, when you're tired of waiting for that promotion, when you're tired of waiting for the breakthrough, when you're tired of in your life of wanting something new, I, I have to see this breakthrough in my marriage. I have to see this breakthrough in my finances. I'm stuck. I'm in the middle of what I know God wants for me and where I am right now. It's this season of life. Have you ever felt that before? Where you're like, man, I just want to be married or I just want to have a relationship or I just want to find healing or I just need more money or I just need a promotion or I just need, I just need, I just need to get to the place where God promises he would do what he said he would do. Well, in those moments, you and I get a little caught up in our own imagination and our own desires and our own frustrations and all we can do is begin to say, okay, God, you begin to speak in your spiritual language and what happens is the Holy Spirit is praying the perfect will for your life. You're actually praying your life into alignment. When you're thinking about dating that guy who you think is awesome, he's not really a follower of Jesus Christ, but you know, I'm willing to look beyond that because he's really attractive. I mean, he's like a Ken doll. Look at him. I mean, come on. You're thinking that a lot. Or maybe it's a girl like, oh my gosh, she's so beautiful. She's amazing. And in your heart, you're thinking, oh, I want that. And it's going to just set some of my values aside. You begin to speak in your spiritual prayer language. And as you begin to pray, the Holy Spirit begins to reveal to you, oh, maybe that's not a best choice for you. Or maybe that career is not right for you. Or maybe you shouldn't move there. Or maybe you shouldn't leave that church broken and offended maybe you should work it out the holy spirit begins to pray the perfect will of god on your behalf because you don't have the capacity to pray god's perfect will for your life you pray from a vantage point of imagination selfish gain and selfish motivation just like i do but when i get to speak in my spiritual language what happens is i align myself with the will of god and i find the situation i'm in begins to change the third one is this and last one it helps us engage in a supernatural battle over God's purposes for our lives. Go to two slides. Ephesians 6.18, uh, the voice translation. Next one, please. Pray always. Pray in the Spirit. Pray about everything in every way you know how and keeping all this in mind, pray on behalf of God's people Keep on praying fervently. Look at this. And be on the lookout until evil has, had, has been stayed. 
One of the greatest, greatest things that the enemy wants to do, this, I believe, is the number one thing that the devil tries to do in followers of Jesus, uh, those who are followers of God in their life. He, the enemy tries to get you to think that the Holy Spirit is weird. He tries you to get you to think that the Holy Spirit is just not from me. He tries you to put it into a box and put it into a history or put it into a perspective. He tries to get you to a place where you begin to think, that's just, ooh, because I had a bad experience. Listen to me, I grew up and I experienced it. I don't even want to talk about. And I've had an opportunity to experience the Holy Spirit from a place in my life where it isn't weird, where it isn't unhealthy. And what the enemy wants to do is the enemy wants to come because he knows that when you're filled with the Spirit and when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, he knows that that is where the 180 degree turnaround for your life comes from. He knows that is where you're going to discover life change. He knows that you could go to counseling and you could go to all sorts of things and you could read books and you can go to self-help conferences, but one moment with the power of the Holy Spirit in your life and it transforms you forever. The devil wants to keep you. The enemy of your soul wants to keep you from a place of recognizing that for you to experience the, the hearing God's voice and the ability to read God's word and the ability to, to get your life into right spiritual order and the ability to choose the tree of life over the tree of knowledge and the ability to forgive those who've hurt you and the ability to break down the words that have been said over you and the ability to have your life molded and shaped by God comes by being baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. You want life change and you want to read a book and you want to figure the to-do list. I'm telling you today, all you have to do is yield yourself to God. How do I get this? You just yield. You just yield your life. You yield your pains. You yield your past. All of those maybe church experiences or the pastors or the leaders or another experience you've had or even there's pain in your life from being wounded by a church or a pastor or wounded by God or wounded by a person or wounded by a husband. Today, if you just yield that before God today, I want to tell you he wants to fill you and transform you and he wants to turn your life around and he wants to give you life change and he wants to help you forgive and he wants to speak to you and he wants to lead you and he wants to help you and he wants to guide you and he wants to motivate you and he wants to give you the supernatural ability to do what he's called you to do. You cannot do this on your own and the way to do this is to be filled with and receive the very baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life. I believe that there are so many people in the room today that are missing so much from what God has for you. I just believe today there's so many of you here today who are just so satisfied with this mundane reality of existence as a follower of God and it's because you're trying to figure this out on your own and today if you would just say, okay God, I give up. I yield to you. I want your life changes. Chantel said in that video, she just said, I just started saying yes and realizing that that's not the way it goes. It's not my way. It's God's way. I just have a, can you just shut your eyes for a moment? 
I just feel like there's so many people in the room that have been wounded by a misuse or a misunderstanding or a uh, someone who misconstrued who the Holy Spirit is and you have all of these defensive guards up because you think, oh, I don't want that. And today, Holy Spirit, you're such a gentleman. You do not force yourself on us. You do not come and push your way in our lives. Holy Spirit, today, I pray that you would come right now and that you would begin to chip away, to peel away the pain and the hurt that has been caused by church experiences and by, uh, by things they've seen or things they've heard. Or maybe people in the room today who have never experienced the Holy Spirit before and just it seems like, man, what does this mean? And what, what is the reality of this? Today, Holy Spirit, every eye closed in this place. Would you come right now? Would you come right now, Holy Spirit? You work in us effectively by your strength, God. You work in us. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord. We can't do anything. We can't do more. Lord, we lay down our legalism and our religiosity. We say, Holy Spirit, we need you. exists for you is in the person of the Holy Spirit being active in your life. Come on, right now, Holy Spirit, I just pray for every person in the room. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come right now. Come on, Holy Spirit, you're not weird, you're not odd, you're not different. You're just a gentle God. You want to come right now, Holy Spirit, and you want to come and minister to every area of our lives. So we breathe you and we receive you today, Holy Spirit. We receive you with open arms and we yield every area of pain and hurt and loss and brokenness. And we say, Holy Spirit, we need your help. We need you today in our lives. We need your guidance and your direction and your love and your mercy. We need you, God. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.